Welcome to the Relationships and Revenue Podcast with John Hewlin. So glad you decided to join us today. This is a slightly different podcast episode. And the reason that it's different is because I chose to do this as a live stream event rather than completely pre-recorded. My guest is April Tribe Juke, and she has written two books on the subject of domestic violence because October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And so I would love for you to really get into this, really dig in and listen to the things that April has to say. Just pull out as much information as you possibly can. And more than anything else, what I would love for you to share with me via direct messages, comments, is how it moved you to action. So without further ado, here is my interview with April Tribe Juke. This is Relationships and Revenue, the show where real answers come from real discussions about what holds men back in their relationships at home and in business. A better bottom line at work means improving life at home. This show is all about helping you become a better entrepreneur and a better man. So we are live, everyone. That's right. Hello, hello. For those of you who are joining us live, so glad you're here. My name is John Hewlin. I am the host of the show Relationships and Revenue. So, so glad that you're here. And as you can see, for those of you who are watching, my guest is April Tribe Juke. April is a very good friend of mine. She has been on the podcast before. April is a survivor of domestic violence. She's written two books related to that particular subject. Again, I realize for those of you listening, you can't see the books, but I'm holding them up both right here. So the first one is Pinpoints of Light, Escaping the Abyss of Abuse. That was how she got out of domestic violence. And the second one she came out with last year is called Out of Darkness, Find Fuel and Live Your Light. And that was how she went from survivor to thriver to victor. So those are the books that April has written. And that's my way of introducing her. So April, welcome to the show. Awesome. Thank you so much, John. It is awesome to be here. And thank your lovely audience for welcoming me here tonight. Oh, well, I will. Thank you so much for giving us some of your time tonight. Um, you know, this issue comes to the forefront. This issue of domestic violence comes up in October because October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. Um, I have to tell you that when you and I were talking before we did our interview last year, you gave me quite an education, to be honest. There were so many things that you introduced to me that I never would have thought of as under the large umbrella that is domestic violence. And so um, one of the things that I'd like to do is for you to share a little bit of your story, uh, kind of what was happening, how you got out, and what life looks like for you right now. All right. So, oh goodness, a long time ago in a land far away. <laughs> it kind of feels like now. Yeah. Um, so my first marriage, um, uh, like any great marriage starts out, you know, we both love each other, connections, trying to see if we're on the same team, moving things forward. And when we realize that things are not exactly going in the direction that, that both desired, 
you know, you start asking questions, you start looking at things and the behaviors start to pop up. Mm. With that being said, some of the behaviors were behaviors that he had expressed in high school with drinking and possibly with some drugs. And I'm new to that type of world. I'm not understanding what's happening. And I'm thinking that's the problem. Mm. Eh, well, <laughs> a little bit more than that, which usually is, right? The, the whole concept about addiction and things, there's an underlying pain, something else that's going on that they're suffering from. And again, when you're young, you just don't realize and have the wisdom to do a lot of that understanding and searching. There's a lot of fear to what else am I going to find out? I'll just keep the status quo and hope the other thing goes away. And mm -hmm. so, you know, trying that way, mm, that didn't work either. So we started going to these cycles where he would do great things, had his own business, things were coming in, he was in construction, we would get jobs, we would go forward. And then the stress of all of that would happen and drugs and alcohol would start to mask over whatever it is he was suffering from that he would not let me know of. And all I could think was, if I did this better, if I did this better, if I could only, right, put the dot, 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 the little ellipses there and carry forward well in this we in these cycles i would you know conceive have a child and then things would go down south and then he would start to be more verbal about things and the verbal started to go into then um different patterns of this has to be controlled this way or that way and pretty soon the business became the full encompass everything and i thought i was being replaced by some type of entity which was the business and when i would you know really struggle back and forth with this then some more verbal abuse would come out and some physical abuse would happen and with the physical and these verbal things happening i'm thinking what is going on the blame has to be the alcohol the blame has to be the drugs and I wasn't watching the other things that were actually happening, which then split into another added layer of mental health challenge yeah. called schizophrenia. So that diagnosis and labeling is really challenging when they are at their height, the panicking, paranoia, and you're in the way, really, of what it is. Or you bring with more of the stress, which allows more panic and paranoia, mm. which then evolved in this cycle and then this tornado of more abuse. And so it would just kind of spiral. So the long and short of all of that was I knew it was time to get out mm -hmm. and escape, but I had to make a plan. And in making the plan, I knew that the opportunities would be there for better things in the future. Um, I was a big Dr. Laura fan back in the day, those that, know, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and she would constantly preach if you are getting divorced or if they're getting away from me, kind of stuff, not remarried, you're not like the kids, the kids, the kids, focus kids. So I'm like, I can do that. So making this plan and putting the grand escape into action, I never saw myself as like, oh my gosh, I've got eight minutes. I got to get out of here. Escape plan. It was mm -hmm. more like, get the job, hide the money, make the plan, set up the babysitters, let him know I'm leaving and then do the divorce and go away like that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I guess I like drama. So we went for the eight minute plan. Like, oh, like I have to leave right now. Mm. This is in serious danger. So the book covers those kinds of topics and, and how we did it. So my plan didn't exactly go 
the way that I had, you know, that I had planned, <laughs> to say <laughs> the least. Yeah, without that type of first step and planning, I wouldn't have known what to do next, sure. even though, again, it didn't work out the way that I thought. But if I can emphasize that first point, if anyone is in an abusive situation, please make a plan. That means to reach out to others, first of mm. all, mm. network, find those that can help you. If they're the one with the special backpack that you've put everything in and you are grabbing it at somebody's house, fine and dandy. Those are the things that are going on and needs to happen. The other part of that planning is just truly being aware. And if you don't have this sign for money, it's going to be really tough. You have to figure out a way to be able to provide for yourself, somehow to get out. And at the same time I say that, some people are like, oh, well, I can't do anything, then I'm stuck. So these are just good rule of thumb type of thing because if you're not, if you're not financially prepared, the likelihood of you going back gets higher and higher. It just, those percentages will happen. So that's the long and short of it with those eight minutes to go. Got out. And now, kind of referring back to my Dr. Laura comment, I did the single mom thing with five children, three of which who have autism, full-time teacher, and was in my See my master's um, program. So there's a lot kind of going on. Yeah. So just, you know, a wee bit. So, you know, dating and all of that was not going to be part of the project. But eventually, man upstairs was like, hey, it's time. So opening up that door and finding my husband, Scott, and then having four more children with him has been a beautiful blessing. So that's where we are today. We've moved from Texas up here to Idaho and really enjoying our lives up here and ghost riding and all of the great things that we do to help support other women and um, to be able to get out. And yeah, life is really good right now. That's great. That's great. Now I want to get into more of what it is that you do in a little bit, but I want to hit on this, this idea of domestic violence. Now I would love for you to be able to share in more detail what it is that fits under that large umbrella we mentioned earlier of domestic violence. Because to be honest, my first thought when I hear that is physical abuse. Now, beyond that, yes, I know there's such a thing as emotional abuse, but that's probably much harder to define. At least it is for me. And then what else fits under there? So we have, this is not in any order. I'll just list them out. Financial okay. abuse, emotional mm -hmm social, um, where we have mental, spiritual, mm -hmm. physical, yep. and these types of abuses can be in combination. They can be in isolation. Mm -hmm. um, it just kind of depends on what the power control will look like. Now, in some power control situations within that umbrella, sometimes it's with what I call a hunter sometimes it's with what I call a caged animal. Okay. Here's the difference between that. Whatever their, um, their, their, their way of, of having control, whether it is through spiritual, financial, physical, emotional, mental, you know, make, make the list of that, um, whichever way that is, they will have an underlying reason, reason for it. So, for example, hunters, they know who they're going after. They know who they can control. And whatever type or way they want to do it is how they do it. Because for them, it is really that power control yeah. for everything. And it's the cat and mouse, right? That, mm -hmm. that mouse tries to run and the cat brings it back and back and forth. And they have that ultimate play. The caged animal, on the other hand, you are, as part of this relationship, you approach, you, you know, 
I'll say you approach the cage, quote mm -hmm. air, quote this, you'll approach the cage to try to help them. But in their worry, concern, paranoia, and fear, they don't know if you are there to help them or to hurt them. They mm. cannot differentiate. Anyone approaching is going to be struck, whether that's um. physically, emotionally, spiritually, financially, because they don't know who to trust. And so their control comes at it based really out of a lot of fear. Mm. Both can suffer from different elements. Um, sometimes, you know, the alcoholism, the drugs, things like that, or, or other addictions, pornography, whatever, is that mask of just dealing with the emotions that they're feeling at the time. And so that's just kind of another added layer. Mm -hmm. But really, a caged animal is somebody that controls for a different reason. They don't have the same motive as a hunter. A hunter knows the prey they're going after. They're, they're seeking that one who they really ultimately can. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of a little bit of difference. But yeah, based on any of those kinds of things, financial, emotional, spiritual, physical, mental, there's lots. You said something that, that, that triggered another question for me. In my mind, when I think of domestic violence, I think in terms of men committing that on women most of the time. But are there instances where it's the opposite, where it's women doing that to men? And if that happens, in what ways does it happen? Um, how should a man respond to that? So definitely it can happen. Of course, our numbers are fewer, fewer on that side, but same thing, spiritual, emotional, mental, can even be physical because maybe the man is like, I don't hit women. So as she's, I wouldn't say maybe with her own physical strength, but she can grab objects and really do some damage, right? And so, mm -hmm. you know, there, there are parts of that. But really, the point is anyone who is going to control someone else, whether it's through their words, through their mental, through spiritual, financial, whatever, that's abuse. So it can look similar as far as the um, the ways that they do it, their delivery might be slightly different, but ultimately mm -hmm. it's a power control thing. Gotcha. Well, I would imagine that speaking strictly from the physical abuse side, that the instances of the, of these happenings being reported by men would be extremely low if for no other reason, because there's the there would be a stigma attached to it, an embarrassment to somehow admit that. Yeah, very true. Okay. Um, one of the things I want to be sure that I mention here, I want to make sure folks know this about you. Uh, besides the fact that you are an author, clearly, and you are a teacher, you have some other things that you do. Um, you are a ghostwriter, which is actually very cool. And you also coach authors on how to not only write and improve their writing, but on how through the entire book publishing process. Is that correct? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's well, great. tell it's us. Great fun. Tell us a little bit more about that because I find that very intriguing. Because you've kind of branched off on your own now, and you're kind of you're doing all of that. I mean, if if I remember right, you've started your own publishing house. Well, not quite yet. But what I do is, as I help with the the ghostwriting and and so on, no matter who it is. We want really to get the story out. So I kind of show mm. them a process. And what we like to do, what we've discovered through this, is that helping them to become their own publishing. Oh, and that okay. is really cool because 
then you know it's really fun to watch them design up their own to say logo for lack of a better word right their Mm -hmm. own logo what they're going to call it and that it adds that professionalism to it right now of Mm -hmm. course if they have a publisher they can go whichever direction if they're like oh wow so expensive i'm not sure i definitely can show them these are your steps and then hey you can have your own publishing you know opportunities and if you have other books in the works hey this is a way to go to make sure that your branding really sticks on that and it's all you so we've discovered through the process that they're really excited and empowered and will help support however because a lot of the people who come to ask for ghostwriting services are women who have been in abuse who want to share their story Mm -hmm. not all my clients are that way but many are and so as we go through the process they want to know what's next. And when you have left abuse, the financial drain is, you know, whew, it's, it's, you got little crumbs hanging out there, but you still want to share this story and get it out to help and support other people. So we found in doing it this way that, yeah, they, it's even, it's fun to watch the empowerment. Like mm-hmm. I have done fully this and you're like, sparkle out there, put your crown on. I mean, there's so many mm-hmm. things that people say. And it's really exciting. In fact, we just finished um, publishing on October the 6th oh. for Miss Melissa Hammerling, another ghostwriting project. And she underneath her own name and put it out there. Mm. So proud. And she looks at it and could have never, you know, mm-hmm. hold a minute. could have never done this. I didn't know the way I just knew my story. Right. So, so fun to kind of show them through it. So, Really exciting. Would you say that based upon your dealings with primarily women who have come out of some form of domestic violence, would you say that it is a helpful thing for them to get their story out, whether or not they publish, just to be able to get it out of them? It's really, really amazing to see this. And what we see through this transformation, and, and no, I am not a counselor. I don't have a, a degree in anything like that. However, we do know as you journal, you express. And as you write things down and reflect back, things become sharper, some things you can let go because you literally wrote it out of you, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's easier to let go. What we see within this process is really interesting as well. Usually the there four story, four, I'll say stories or four parts of a story usually emerge where we have our, our victim stories first. And that's the then story. Then this happened, then this happened, then this happened. So you just gotta get it all out, right? Mm-hmm. And then as they go back and we start editing, it becomes the survivor story where they're picking out the highlights like, mm-hmm. okay, that's enough of that stuff. We're gonna do this and then I shine uh-huh. here and I did this. And so it becomes a survivor story. Then we go through another edit and they're like, like you can watch them just grow through the whole process from victim to survivor to this thriving. So when we get them to thrive, suddenly so much of the hurt, anger, revenge that this is me, I did it. It doesn't necessarily leave, but it refines into a place of like, I'm going to show you how to do this too. And there's an act of humility that comes with it. And it is amazing. And then those at the end, if they really want to go through it a fourth time, force a fourth time, but some are like, I need to take this one more step. We call those really, they figure out the whole forgiveness factor. And when the forgiveness factor is there fully, 
that's when they become they truly become the victor of their own story so it it is it is powerful and when the hard parts are really written out and i read it back to them whether it's a chapter or a few chapters of a particular scene mm-hmm. i mean we go from tears to like a like a, a stronger face to a deep smile to just this peace even though it was the same story because they they've grown through the process yeah so so the answer to that long or my long answer to that short question is <laughs> yeah it's amazing it's really cool gotcha okay all right so let's go a slightly different direction now and i w- i want you to address the whole notion of domestic violence from a preventative side now so what are some telltale signs that we need to be looking for, first of all, in our own relationships, but then secondly, those who are closest to us, be they friends, family, even coworkers, clients, it doesn't matter, ones that we consider close. What do we need to be watching out for to say something's going on here? All right. So this kind of is an interesting thing, and, and I've put together a supporter's toolkit for this. You're watching mm. for for these signs of how they're behaving. If there's somebody that's always like always at an arm's length, they don't let you in too far. Um, there's kind of some, some tips with that. Why are they always wearing their glasses? Why do they always wear the hoodie? It's July outside. What's happening here? They um, are always late to work. Why? Why do they always have these little bits of excuses? When the phone rings, they go pale. What, what's going on? Right. Or, the they get the text in the middle of the boardroom and then they return and you could tell the aura the the spirit the feeling has shifted something what's up something's up yeah so these things are happening those are big clues and when you see it um note it but really the most important thing is a friend become Mm. a friend to that person let them know that you're there now you don't have to you know build this entire huge long friendship before you ask a question you just have to be truthful mm. and connecting and show them love. And that is the huge part of this empathy. If you're mm. that listening ear, sometimes you'll be that. If you're the one that, like I said before, holds the special bag and that's all you can do, that's fine too. Mm. The point is supporters are the network that allow for the escape to happen. Mm. Gotcha. So that, that's a big thing. And, and in the supporters toolkit, you'll learn a lot of different things about that. Um, part of also this prevention, which I'm going to be adding because we want some specific points. So short story, quick friend story. So I've got a friend who her daughter is dating someone. And finally, like she's had abusive relationships before. And this guy finally feels like, oh, yay, you picked a good one. Hooray, kind of a thing. And I had just listed something about red flags so i'm posting red flags through every week for the month of october Mm -hmm. there's 18 that i that i use but for the month of october i've picked five anyway she read one of them which talked about perfection Mm -hmm. how is perfection a red flag okay let me explain if perfection if the man the woman whomever the couple is related uh, you know they're dating and such if that person never shows flaws is like my gosh, he's here always on time. He's up. like all like lists and lists and lists of qualities. It's tough because you have to follow your gut, but that's a little off because we're all flawed. 
And if someone <laughs> is showing up that has nothing on them, take that as a flag because they have to have so much control so that everything is there. What do you think is going to happen when that relationship takes into the next step or even even gone even into marriage? Mm -hmm. That perfection that he expressed or she expressed is now going to be glooping in all on you. So Mm -hmm. be careful. And that's something that really shocked her because she was like, ah, I could name this list of all these good things, all the qualities that the other bozos didn't have. Mm -hmm. But now I'm going to watch a little, a little more. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm going to ask some questions of real friends. And if they're truth tellers, their real friends are like, uh, yeah, he's, he messes up and, and this. And if they can share with you the flaws, then it's going to be okay. Then that's one of those good first impression kinds of things. Like, okay, mm. so he is still human. Okay. If they're like, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm not gonna, I don't know. Mm. Uh, that's a red flag. So like I said, I've got 18 of them. I can list them down here on the show. Some of them are, are things that you would most likely kind of, I assume uh, jealousy, controlling behavior, blames others for their feelings, disrespectful, cruel to others. Yeah, those are like, yeah, I can see that. Like mm-hmm. I said, perfection, hmm, that's, that's a little off. Or does not surround themselves with truth, with truth tellers. Another one that's kind of interesting. So, mm-hmm. yeah, those are part of those, um, you know, that list. Gotcha. All right. So let's think in terms of men right now. Because I'm certain that there are men who are either viewing this or listening to this and they're like, I'm, I don't think I'm abusing anybody. I mean, I'm not physically abusive. I don't, I don't say anything that I think could be construed that way. I don't feel like I'm doing any of those kinds of things. What would you say to somebody like that? So ask friends, ask the spouse, ask the girlfriend. Kind of get some of their their thoughts, their thinking, and and if they're like, no, things are okay, you know, oh, okay. Observation of behaviors is really the telltale sign. Again, it kind of refers back to this type of idea. It's good to do a check, right? Mm -hmm. We have bad days. We will all have bad days. (laughs) Okay, so anyway, we all have bad (laughs) days, right? Mm -hmm. And how quick are you to forgive, to apologize? And then we watch behaviors, you know, change. That's that's where we're going to be doing good stuff. If things are repeating, mm-hmm. gosh, well, this is starting to form a pattern here. We need to be asking the questions and say, hey, you know, these things didn't used to happen. And, and now they're happening kind of. Mm-hmm. What What's up? How can I help you? Do you need help? What's going on? They might have a deep, dark pain or secret or something that... They're like, yeah, I think I need some help and I'm not trying to strike out at this or that and strike don't necessarily be physical, right? Our words can strike pretty hard, right? So, and you're thinking, gosh, what's going on? What, what's happening here? There, there might be an, uh, an added stress from work that we don't know about or what mm-hmm. have you, or there might be something really deep. We know that um, if, if abuse has happened in the past, the likelihood of it occurring again is higher. Doesn't mean mm-hmm. it always happens, but it increases. If sure. you have had pain and suffering from an event that has to deal with a sexual event, either viewing pornography, participating in something like that, it really is a huge factor on abuse because it, I don't know, man, it blows a blows a hole in your head sometimes. So you know, there are some questioning things that happen. So men out there, 
you know, it's good introspection to, to say, hey, you know, what have I been acting like a jerk? You're as the guy, right? You go with the guy friends and kind of have the locker room talk and you just kind of figure things out. You're, you're playing golf and talking and thinking and listening together. You guys have a way of expressing and, and, and going through what it is you go through in a way that really is supportive. So guys, gather some guys around you. Mm-hmm. Ask for help. Get the thing. Yep. Find the relationships and clarify with with your guys, with your dudes, because that is so impactful to really change. Because it's mm-hmm. a guy to guy thing. Yep. And I, I call it. I okay. Let's go somewhere. I call it male magic. Oh, <laughs> right. Okay. Because like my son just announced, he's using his boots again. It's a little chilly up. Here. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway. The, the guy-to-guy thing is, is really important, this male magic. So I'm in the classroom teaching, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes a guy just, like my guy supporters and helpers, they can just stand in the room and they're not like crossed arms and given a glare. They're just there. And suddenly we see these behaviors really shift and you're like, wow. And, you know, the cool dude, the coach, the, the whatever. And you're thinking... I have been doing all this kind of stuff and you just walk in the room and they're like, Hey, I'm with you. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, just a, it's a guy thing, which is great. I want to emphasize that it's really, really good. In fact, last year I was introduced to a group of men who culturally they can hang out with each other and they kind of do a lot of things like rugby and so on and so forth, right? The football rugby kind of group. And yet at the end of the game, they hang around and do a haka. So not not the way that we're always traditionally thinking of it, but they're expressing, they're checking each other, mm-hmm. and it's a very safe place for them to be the man who's in pain, who then can change to be the man that they want to be. Right. It's really incredible. So it's it's an awesome resource. Oh yeah, and it it sounds like going back to something you said earlier. So I'm kind of reemphasizing it how important it is to have those truth tellers in our lives, not just the one who is being abused, but maybe the one who's doing the abusing. If you're the one that's doing the abusing, if you have those truth tellers in your life, the likelihood of you getting past that, working through that, so that's no longer a part of your life, I would assume that increases, that it's the likelihood of you getting over that is more. Would you agree with that? I would absolutely agree with that. Yeah. And that has to be fully supported from a guy to guy type of thing, because um, uh, his name, his name is, let's see, oh my gosh, I'm going to mess it up. <laughs> Jackson Katz, K-A-T-Z, Jackson mm-hmm. Katz. This is the, the whole concept. And he, he talks with military, he talks with, um, different sporting groups and, and, um, coaches and teams that talk about, you know what, when it's guy to guy, things can really happen. And you guys are the change agent. Cause I'm sorry, when we count numbers, it's how many women are in abuse. And most of that is coming from men. So he has the focus on what's happening, right? Like the the tradition has been, and through no fault, it's been very victim focused. And he has Mm -hmm. a quick little explanation for this where it says, John beats Mary. Then the next sentence, Mary was beaten by John. And he's like, just look at that one shift. We were talking about John. Next sentence, we're talking about Mary. And John's at the end of the sentence, almost falling off. Mm. So he's like, keep the focus where it needs to be. And guys, we got to man up. So it's really, really empowering. And what he does to to show, right? Because the inherent behavior of, of a man is 
is that? It's to help, to provide, to 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 be there, to to do all these kinds of great things. And it's been dismissed, right? Unfortunately, in our society, man, poof, donor, thanks, donor. Yeah. I, no, I would also say to no, protect. No. It's oh, protection is huge, huge. Mm -hmm. and, and again, I hope this doesn't offend anybody, but um, if I need a bodyguard, I'd be picking the six four gentlemen <laughs> and not the four six woman. I'm sorry, I I I know that sounds really terrible, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. I get it. I need some protection, right? It's a lot easier to go out into scary situations when I'm arm in arm with my husband. Yeah. Big dude. And mm -hmm. I'm like, he's got this. <laughs> like, <laughs> we're all good. So, you know, it, and it's nice. I, I don't have to be on my guard, like all this stuff, right? Because right. We, we have a target on our back. No mm -hmm. lie. Yeah, we got two years left until somebody is released and, and hopefully change has happened. Hopefully reform has happened. Mm. And if not, we shift around a little bit. Just make sure that we're okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, April. Well, we're getting close to wrap-up time here. But I wanted to be sure to give you an opportunity to tell folks, first of all, how can they find you? All right. You can find me at my website, April Tribe g-i-a-u-q-u-e juke.com you can also find me um through all of my facebook twitter accounts uh instagram all over the place any kind of social media i will be there and i do a lot of things with beacon of light and in my beacon of light podcast the authoring all of that so again my website you can email me i've got connections there all the social media April tribe, like, like a group of people, G-I-A-U-Q-U-E. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's me. That's right. Okay. All right. So, you know, before we had, um, we had gone through a, a final four. I don't know if you remember those, the final four questions when we were wrapped up last time. And what I'm wanting to do now is something similar, but of course, trying to find the ones that I'm looking for. I'm having a hard time. So I'll start with this one. Number one, are you ready? Ready. Okay. What brings you joy? Family. Family. Okay. Uh, question number two, what keeps you up at night? Family. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I got nine kids. There's a lot in this family. So yeah. I'm yes, up at night. yes. I but understand. Not, you know, they're, they're older now, so, so no one's nursing anymore and that kind of thing. So now mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, so we just left the nursing. And now what is my 23-year-old? Oh, okay. Okay. No one tells you that, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. Question three. Who is investing in you right now? Me. Okay. <laughs> if that makes sense. Like okay. self-care, mm -hmm. um, taking care of the things that, that are really important. And, and I would hope, I would hope to say uh, my, my fans, my, my, my friends, my husband. Mm -hmm. but, yeah. I've had to do a lot of good self-reflection and self-check right now. So right now I'm doing a lot of self-deposits that I've kind of been some, some IOUs. We'll say it that way. Okay. Okay. And here's my final question. Number four. It's, it's, it's a little bit longer, but I think you'll understand why in just a second. If you were headed into witness protection and you could only take one person with you that was not your husband, who would you take and why? You can't pick your kids either. So those are too, those are too easy. Your, ki your family's too easy. So you got to pick somebody else. I would take a truth teller. Okay. Yeah, I would take a truth teller. And um, I would hope that with that, 
I think perspective could happen. Mm-hmm. Probably some more growth could happen. Boy, that's a really interesting question. You know, really, really interesting. <laughs> well, I'm glad <laughs> you question. like it. I want to put a little caveat in here, folks, because we've talked some about having truth tellers in our lives. Be real careful about who you choose to have as a truth teller in your life. And I'll tell you why. I've had some real bad experiences with people in the past who were truth tellers who had no problem telling me the truth. But the issue came, it was not what they said, it was how they said it. They wanted to see change in me, but they didn't do it in graceful and loving ways. So my encouragement to you is to find truth tellers that will tell you the truth in love. That is important. Because if that truth teller doesn't love you, that's not helping you. That's not serving you. Very true. Because you know when that love is there. Mm -hmm. The way God does it, right? Exactly. God's a great truth teller. Oh, for sure. (laughs) He still embraces with ultimate. Yeah. It's a great example. 100%. Okay. Well, April, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for joining me here. For those of you who are with us live, we are so grateful that you chose to spend some time with us. For those of you who are listening to this and or watching this after the fact again i am so grateful for all of you because you have given me something that you can never get back and that's your time and i truly truly appreciate that so thank you so much for being here and we will talk to you guys next time bye everybody bye everybody bye thanks for listening to relationships and revenue i'd love to get your thoughts on the show two ways you can do that are to give us a rate and review and or connect with me on social media. You can find me at John Hewlin. Thanks again for listening. And remember, passion gets you started. Purpose keeps you going. Have a great day and we'll see you next time. Bye.